1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey. This is a show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi. October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So today we're going to sit down and speak with Shanice White. She's the lead therapist for the Latasha Norman Center at Jackson State University and Danny Bolden, who's the father of Letitia Norman. We'll speak with them about the 12th annual Latasha, excuse me, Norman Celebration of Life 5K and about the importance of ending domestic violence. Plus, Michelle and I will chat about the latest headlines in the weekly. Roundup. And if you'd like to be part of our conversation today, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Hey, having a good day today? Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. October, of course, is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So, today we're going to visit with Shanice White. She's here in the studio. She's the lead therapist of the Latasha Norman Center at Jackson State University. And Danny Bolden will be joining us as well. He's the father of Latasha. Um, we're going to speak with them about the 12th annual Latasha Norman Celebration of Life 5K and about the importance of ending domestic violence. If you want to be part of the show to we'll be part of the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 877 MPB Ring. That's 877 672 7464. Or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. We're going to go to the weekly roundup in just a second. I'd like to say a few words about somebody who'd been on the show, uh, somebody that I really liked and admired. Um, Well, last Saturday, we lost him. He he was a friend to many of us, but most of us had never met him. His name was Mike Sands. He was a Fox 40 anchor here in Jackson, but he was also up in Greenville before that. Um, He was a cancer warrior. He's, and He lost his battle to the disease. See, he had fought a brave and very, very public fight against this monster uh, that had left his body in incredible pain. Oh, he's now free of that pain now. Mike was 34. He was diagnosed in cancer in 2012, and that's when he found a lump in his calf that turned out to be a rare and very, very, very aggressive form of soft tissue cancer called myzoid liposarcoma. After it briefly went into remission, it came back with a vengeance in 2016 as it began attacking various parts of his body. That's when Mike Sands went into battle. Uh, He was on the show in 2017, like I mentioned. Um, When he came walking in here, other than the fact that he'd lost his hair, uh, you couldn't tell he had the disease at all. In fact, he looked like he could crush me with his thumb. He was a big guy. And I kept thinking, oh, there's no way cancer will beat this man. He's too strong mentally and physically. Uh, His positivity what filled, filled this whole studio. His smile, it was infectious. His attitude was inspiring. And I was ready to take on the world after spending an hour with him. To quote his Fox co-host and close friend, Melissa Faith Payne, when you watch him in this battle, you can't help but fall in line and figure out what you can do to help. That was the effect Mike had on everyone that he met. See, TV personalities are like family. We invite them into our homes, and we feel like we know them. But most of the time, that's not necessarily true. They deliver the news while hiding their personal lives behind perfect hair, perfect teeth, and perfect smiles. Mike, however, was very, very open about this battle. Uh, He was brutally real. Uh, we pulled for him as we heard about his treatments. We prayed for him as he flew back home uh, up to, to Pennsylvania to, to, well, to get to well. He had more and more surgeries. And we felt his pain, his hope, and his will. We knew that if anyone could beat this, it would be Mike Sands. And we became members of Team Sands, and we prayed for a miracle. Mike never got that miracle. On April 12th, he got the news he didn't want to hear. And according to the doctors, it was time to stop fighting and start looking at quality of life. No chemo is working, he told the Clarion-Ledger in an interview. And hearing six months, he said emotionally, I'm not ready to go in six months. He kept fighting. He made it seven more months. Twelve days ago, we got this message from him. This vile, this is from Mike. He said, this vile, menacing, play by its own rules disease has literally taken my legs out from under me. Roughly a week after back surgery last month, I began experiencing weakness in both legs. And within days, I couldn't even use a walker to get around. My legs are incapable of now bearing any weight and I'm largely bedridden, and I need a wheelchair to get anywhere. You could feel our collective hearts break. I think that was the first time, I'd, in fact, I'd even heard Mike say anything negative. Anyway, he finished by saying, I should be in Jackson cutting it up with Melissa on the city's favorite anchor tandem five nights a week. I should be showering my daughter with the love only a father can give. Instead, I lie here dealing with this harsh and cruel fate incapable of doing either. Less than two weeks later, he passed away with those who loved him surrounding him. Not only was Mike a friend and an inspiration to many, he was also a father of his young daughter, Briar. And I hope someday she understands how brave and strong her father really was. And I hope those who love her can lift her up as she grows up without her dad. I'm for a loss of words right now, to be honest with you. Mike lived every cancer patient's worth, nice and mayor, mine included. But he lived it with strength and with grace. And the key word being this. He lived. So if you want to truly honor Mike Sands, well, live like Mike. And that was Mike's his legacy. He lived every single moment he was alive. Bless him and all who loved him. Okay. So um, oh. just, yeah.
0: Well, I, you know, I remember when Melissa first talked about him leaving uh, the station to go get some more. She um, was just she crying. Was torn up. Yeah. yeah, she was torn up. And, you know, you, you develop those bonds with people you work with, you know. Yeah. And uh, they became more than just. Co workers. Yeah. And again, we do people that we see on TV, even radio, we, become, uh, we feel like we oh, know yeah, them. Oh, yeah, you know mm-hmm. them.
1: You know, I mean, it's like, oh, well, there's Walt. He, I know Walt. Exactly, you know, Walt. exactly.
0: So. so, like, again, our uh, prayers are oh, yeah, with, with Mike families. And families and yeah, I did a
1: cartoon family. about him and basically saying his legacy was just live like Mike. And so mm-hmm. his mom asked for a copy of it, and I'm going to get that to the family. That's and good. But my heart goes out to everybody who knew him because. You know, I mean, you remember when he came in here, he was just mm-hmm. like, oh, oh yeah, I got this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was still working out, still strong and everything else. But. You
0: know, that's something, uh, even though, remember when Jenna came? Yeah. Everyone that's fighting cancer, and when we have them on the show, they're so optimistic. Yeah. And and we try to, of course, we want to be optimistic with them. Uh, but in the back of their minds, you know, they're wondering, too. We're wondering. And oh, when everybody's, we do, yeah. When we, they do lose that fight. It's kind of like a letdown, but again, you look at the positive side. You look at the life. They well, live. here's the thing. They I mean, they could
1: have taken two paths. They could right. have felt sorry for themselves, and they could have held up, or they could have been out there and they could have lived every single moment that they that they had left. And I think that's really a great lesson for all mm-hmm. of us. To be honest with you, um, yeah, it's tough because I mean, you do you you know the you know the odds. You right. know the, what's how realistic it is. You know, if you got stage four of anything, you know it's going to be a really tough battle. Mm-hmm. And um, well, like
0: you said, make make it worth your while live every day to the fullest like jenna did with the art display and things like that right. she used her element to help other women to yeah, help other people. definitely so i mean that's good. the thing and mm-hmm.
1: you know at the end of the day that's what we all should be doing true So now on tough.
0: a on lighter note we're going to talk about that and talk about clinton clinton wins their first ever volleyball state championship uh-huh. and i was watching this story yesterday and you know my daughter plays ball and um knowing how much uh how hard it takes how much work it takes to have practices and things like that. I understand as a parent of an athlete, it takes a lot. The entire family goes through it. They feel it. So imagine uh, going through this whole season, like the volleyball coach said, they had to beat some really tough teams to get to the championship and then to win it all. I know they were screaming and yelling and I know they felt good. Congratulations goes out. What a great Mm -hmm. thing for
1: them. Really proud of them. Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, I always tell people that no matter where you go, you're going to get a little piece of Mississippi. Uh, Last week, I was up in Nashville. My mentor, the cartoonist that gave me my start back in the day. He was receiving a Tennessee Governor's Arts Award, so I went up for this the celebration. It was really cool because he got one, and so did Brenda Lee and Little Richard. So I got to meet both of them. That was really neat. How old is Little Richard now? Oh gosh, he's, he's probably in his eighties. He was in a wheelchair, um, wow. but he was still he he gave us a sermon. It was great, you know, because he is he does preaching and everything. And he, and they um. Yeah, I don't really want to go into the depths because it would sound like Sunday school, but he was fantastic, and I really loved to meet him. He was great. But I was walking to the elevator when I was over with one of the winners who had won the Folk Life Heritage Award. Her name was Sally Wells, and she is a revered elder in the Tennessee Choctaw community, and of course she masters several endangered Tennessee art forms. Well, anyway... When I said, hey, how are you doing? I'm from Mississippi. She, her eyes just lit up, which is always the magic word, because she had grown up here on the on the, the Mississippi band of Choctaw Indians Reservation. So she had really fun. She said, oh, man, I'm so glad to meet you. I love Mississippi. And so we were just talking and everything else. But it was just so neat to get to meet – You know, anywhere you go, you're going to run into somebody from Mississippi. And I was just so proud of her. So for those of you who know Sally Wells, which I'm sure you do um, – just give her a call. Tell her congratulations. She had inji- invited the chief to come up and he was busy and couldn't come up for that. So mm-hmm. I told her, I said, you know what? I'm going to brag on you publicly because you deserve it. You're amazing. So I was really proud of her. But it was it was fun to get to do that. And of course, ah, I got the big blood drive this week too. So... If- Keep your eye out for me on that. I'm um, doing the commercials with Barbie Bassett. That's always a lot of fun, too. So, but anyway, I tell you what, this is an incredibly um, important show. Thank you for being part of it. And we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to welcome our guest, Shanice White, the lead therapist for the Latasha Norman Center of Jackson State University. Plus, later, we're going to welcome Latasha's dad, Danny Bolden, to the show. So stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPP Think Radio.
0: an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Hey, October is National Domestic Violence Month. So our first guest today knows all too well about how domestic violence can start and how it can affect lives. So Let's welcome now the lead therapist for the Latasha Norman Center for Counseling Center Services at Jackson State University, Shanice White. Shanice, good to see you. I, gosh, it's been a couple of years since you've been with us, so it's good to see you.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you all as well.
1: Man, I tell you what. And the last time you were here, your, your daughter was much younger, and now she's two years older. It's like, good grief.
2: Yes, yes. goes by really quick. Yes, she's nine years old now and um, growing up to be a beautiful young lady.
1: Oh, I tell you. <laughs> and, of course, um... Well, let's talk a little bit about you real quick, and then we'll bring just a couple of questions about what's like having a daughter when you're talking about these type of issues. But when did you choose to become a counselor? When did you decide to go for that as a career?
2: Um, I decided in high school, um, most of my friends would come to me for advice, and um, my friends would say, you know, you give such great advice, you know, what you told me, it worked. And um, back then, not knowing that's not actually how counseling works, but I said, hmm, I wonder why people think and, and act the way that they do. Right. And I wonder what's going through the minds of people who do certain things or say certain things. And so that's what you know sparked my passion to become a counselor.
1: Man, I tell you what, after the show, you and I can talk for about six hours. Because <laughs> yeah, you're sitting there, you're talking to me, writing down notes. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm getting nervous. You're, you're figuring me out here a little bit. Well, how'd you end up working at the Latasha Norman Center?
2: Well, um, I was actually working with children uh, before I got a call Um, about there possibly being um, a position opening at the Latasha Nome Counseling Center. I said, what? Wait, that's my alma mater. Um, That's where I want to be. And so when I saw the position posted online, I immediately went online uh, to Jackson State's website. I applied for the job. Um, I went through a couple of interview series and was actually being the one that was chosen for the job. Very
1: cool. And you're like, yes, I get to go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Forget this being adult stuff. I get to go to a college right, campus. Right, right. Well, tell us a little bit about the history of the Latasha Norman Center.
2: Uh, well, as we all know, um, back in 2007, uh, Latasha Norman, who was actually a student at Jackson State, um, an accounting major, um, she died at the hands of domestic violence. And although there was an already in counseling center uh, located at Jackson State, she um, Due to just the impact that this incident had on the campus, um the Latasha Noman Center right. erected was erected at that time. So they
1: decided to name it in honor of her. Yes. Your mission's incredibly important. Let's let's talk a little bit about the center and what you do on a daily basis because you and I are talking a little bit off the air. You know, I just sent my son off to college. And it's, that's the scariest thing ever because, you know, yes. they're leaving the nest. It's like, okay, hopefully he'll be okay.
2: Right, right. Uh, so as far as what the Latasha Norman Center provides, we provide uh, counseling services for individuals. Um, we have a lot of students that come in um, wanting to um, inquire about couples counseling. And so we do offer that as well. Um, their spouse or their mate doesn't necessarily have to be a student of Jackson State. Yeah. Um, But they are invited to come in and have a couples counseling session with us. Uh, We also offer outreach programming around the campus uh, where we go to different classrooms, provide um, presentations about domestic violence, um, about mental health and other things that intersect with domestic violence. We also go into the local community and offer presentations, offer trainings. Uh, we just finished with a training at Heinz Community College, um, suicide prevention training.
1: Wow. That's really important these yes, days. Yes, it mm-hmm.
2: is. It is. So we do a lot um, with limited staff.
1: We do a whole lot. We do so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm really surprised you had the time to break away and come talk to us. But yes. I'm glad you did because this is so important. I've always heard hurt people hurt people.
2: Yes, they do. And that I, is a very true statement.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the mission and the goal is to help diffuse that bomb.
2: Right. Right. Wow.
1: Well, like I said, um I mean, I mean like I said, you you help students. Do you think the students just come in and they don't have these these coping skills when they don't when they get there? Or is I mean is that what you're trying to teach them to do, how to work through any like you know, CPTSD, any any possible chronic trauma they may have or anything like that? I mean, is that what y'all do?
2: Yes. Um a lot of students come in not knowing what to do um in certain situations. Yeah. Um we have a lot of students that come in And feel as though they're in a crisis mode Um, there. They may have experienced a breakup or they may have um, experienced some type of domestic abuse situation. And a lot of them, what we're noticing, do not learn how to cope with these different situations. It's uh, what we call an all or nothing thinking almost. Either I have it all or I have nothing and I want to end my life or um, I have the best relationship or um, I don't have Anything at all, have nothing else to resort to where they forget that there's a problem solving method that we can walk you through. And so that's what we assist, assist students with. Is problem solving and helping them to learn and practice healthy coping skills.
1: Well, let, let's dig a little deeper into that. Why is it that you, you think, and it, it seems to me, and this is just I don't have any data in front of me or anything else, but it just seems like there is with that spike in suicides and everything else that, that students don't seem to have the coping skills that maybe they had 20 years ago. Was it something you need to like have a sit down, and have a chat with parents about helping your kids? Is it something you tell with the kids, okay, this is some coping skills you need? Let's unpack that for a second.
2: I, I definitely think that it starts at home uh, with life being as busy as it is. You know, a lot of families are on the move. Yeah. Getting kids to soccer practice, um, church or what have you. Life is very busy. And I definitely think there is a lack of taking time out to sit out with children And teaching them, hey, okay, I know you have this going on, whether it's bullying or relationship issues or what have you. I think there's a lack of time sitting down with kids to actually teach them, hey, this is how you can cope with this. Or a lot of kids learn unhealthy coping skills within the home. Um, A lot of people don't want to say that. Yeah. But I can be candid and open and honest about that. That's what we're seeing. Right. So um, it's definitely been a shift um, from when I was in, you know, middle school, high school um, to this point. It's definitely been a shift in how we cope with things.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking of a couple things. Number one, it's like we put so much pressure on our kids to succeed sometimes that they're not allowed to fail at an early age. So they don't learn that, you know what failure isn't the end of the world. Definitely. So then when they get to college and they do have that moment where something like you said, it, you know, you break up or you fail a test or something, something becomes a catastrophe right? because you've gotten those walking steps. And I think the other, and I, I'm right here, my picture, um, because I'm very guilty of this. You get so busy that sometimes you're not there for your kid and when they feel like they're being bullied or anything like that, they don't get that support they needed. Right. So those are two huge things. And of course, then then there's this. I'm holding up a oh, phone. Oh yes, yes. So get 24 seven bullying that way.
2: Yes, so. yes. That has definitely um, had an impact on how our our youth and how Generation Z yeah deals with things. Definitely. So,
1: yeah. and I'm just thinking about what y'all do. I mean, because you're you're doing both healing. So you're doing on the tail end, but you're also doing a lot of preventative work.
2: Yes, we are. That's we incredible.
1: Are. I'm so that's so good that the university has that and yes. has you. So that, that's fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about the red flag system.
2: As far as the uh, red flag, um, we try to teach students um, what are those characteristics that um, you may see that are red flags as to whether you're in an uh, unhealthy relationship. Um, if your spouse or mate says, okay, why are you wearing these certain clothes? Or, okay, you didn't answer my phone call when you were in class or when you were with your friends, um, why didn't you answer your phone? Or why are you wearing these certain things? Um, why are you spending so much time with your family and friends? Um, I want you here with me. Um, those are definitely some, some red flags in terms of, um, you know, that signifies whether someone is in an unhealthy
1: relationship. Yeah. And it, it sounds like it's a control issue there.
2: Definitely a power and control issue. Uh, what we find is that the abuser the perpetrator, um, has, um, major trauma history. Yeah. Um, they may not have had that structure in home or they may have had an absent parent, uh, where they don't learn, um, the healthy balance of of right. power and control they don't learn that um and so that's what it results in them becoming a perpetrator or an abuser
1: it's incredible how much childhood trauma can just emerge later yeah. on in life yes that, yes it's incredible a little bit about okay you can actually access, uh, access the red flag page from the jsu homepage right yes yeah. you
2: can um red flag system is accessible on the JSU's homepage. It is also accessible if you go to our website, the Latasha Norman Center's website. It is also available on on our website. What happens
1: when you click on it?
2: When you click on it, you are able to type in um, an an incident, a a report. Uh Um, And and you can remain anonymous. Um, You don't have to include your name, but you can just type in maybe what you've experienced or what you may have witnessed um in terms of you know whether you witness someone hitting someone or uh verbally abusing someone um all of that you can report that in um in the red flag system
1: Michelle's got a question for hey, you Janice, too How you doing?
0: Good. Everyone hey, this you? is Michelle McAdoo, Um two questions. First of all, what do you tell a student who's in a relationship and like again you see those red flags come up but they feel oh he he loves me or she loves me. Um and like you say It's not just the male being the dominant. Sometimes women uh, have those abusive behaviors. And I just saw a story on this um, on Instagram um, talking about a lot of women being abusers uh, it's coming out. more. Yeah. The
1: statistics really are amazing. Right. Men
0: yes. are really now speaking out and saying they were abused. Some women have tried to set me on fire. I saw, saw a lot of stories this month and that's what I wanted to talk about. It's not just the man. Women, we can call our boyfriend or call your friend. Why you didn't answer the phone and just be real aggressive in their face, hitting and scratching. Women do that too. And Guys
1: aren't ever going to admit that because exactly. they don't want to look like their manhood exactly. cards getting a punch. Exactly. You know?
0: That's my first question. I'm sorry. My second, you can answer this and I'll get down. Uh, um, Uh, You are not just there for students. You are there for the campus uh, staff as well,
2: correct? Yes. Yes, and we try to make sure that we make that known when we do classroom presentations or uh, when we're speaking to different departments on campus. We are available for faculty and staff. Um, A lot of faculty and staff, you know, we go to work and we try to keep our personal things at home or wherever and just bring our best selves to work. But Students don't know that faculty and staff deal with things such as domestic violence and uh, mental health issues as well. And so uh, we do offer one to two consultations for faculty and staff. If there are issues that uh, one or two consultations cannot sort out, then we do refer out to local mental health agencies.
1: So I was going to ask, and, and that's, too, because you actually have a Rolodex, so you can get them to places they need to get yes. the help. Oh, that's yes. incredible. That's on the. She talked about that. Um, I, just, I was looking at the statistics. One in three women and one in seven men are victims of domestic violence. That blows me away. That's yes. incredible.
2: Yes, it is. And so, um, when, especially with students, when we have a large group of students, we do an exercise where we ask um Students to stand to represent that one and yeah. three and one and seven, and we have students to look around the room all the time when we do that, and they're just in awe. They they they're, yeah. they're amazed. They're they're shocked at well, they
1: suddenly no, it's not a number anymore.
2: It's, right, it's like people. Right.
1: Wow. So, um, one last question here, real quick. Of course, your your main focus on domestic violence and helping victims develop a safety plan, but you know, like you said before, you help address mental health issues for students and faculty and staff. They need that, that's so important because what you're doing is help remove that stigma.
2: Yes, it is helping to remove the stigma. Um, I will say, um, within the four and a half years that I have been employed at Jackson State at the Latasha Norman Center, yeah, um, the numbers have definitely increased. Um, the students, faculty, and staff know that we're there, they know that we um, help them to maneuver through mental health concerns and domestic violence, daily violence, stalking um, sexual assault incidents. Um, so our services are definitely being utilized.
1: I know you can't give names and I wouldn't ask for them, but I know you've had success stories. Are there, is there anyone that particularly jumps out to you that makes you proud?
2: Um, there are a few. Yes. Um, actually I remember working with a couple, um, and actually, the abuser came in. The perpetrator came in, um, warning services. Really? Yes, that's huge. Yes, it is huge. It is huge. Um, but I remember working with uh, that person and and their their mate, and they're actually married now. Really? Yes. Wow. And um, you know, from time to time, they do reach out to me and say, "Hey, just want to let you know that everything's going well," and they're continuing with counseling yeah. just to make sure that none of the issues that Uh, were present during the time that they saw me, um, you know, become prevalent again.
1: Serious props to him, though, for coming in. Because, I mean, even Bonnie and Clyde thought they were innocent. Right. Yeah. So nobody ever thinks they're, you know, so nobody can see that. So I'm glad that he went there. We're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we'll continue speaking with our guest, Shanice White, lead therapist for the Latasha Norman Center for Counseling Services. And we're going to welcome our next guest, Latasha Norman's dad, Danny Bolden to the show. If you have any questions or comments just for our guest, or if you'd like, just give us a call. It's 877 MPB Ring. That's 877 672 7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. <laughs> All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking with Me, Marshall Ramsey. As you know, October is National Domestic Violence Month. So today we've been talking with Shanice White. She's a lead therapist at the Latasha Norman Center for Counseling Services on the campus of Jackson State University about all the amazing work they're doing. Of course, it's incredibly important work at the center and to help prevent domestic violence. Uh, before the break, Shanice, tell us about the tragic story of Latasha Norman and how. Well, let's just welcome her dad, Dr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Danny Bolden, to the show. Uh, Mr. Bolden, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I don't know if you were listening early as Shanice was telling us Latasha's story, but I'm sure you must relive this tragic moment in your mind quite often a little bit. Um, how are you doing? I mean, like I said, that's a, such a tough thing. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to a parent.
3: Yeah, so I'm doing great, uh, me and my wife, uh for the last 12 years, you know, this has been just the 12th year.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, we took up on this task that uh, we would go and speak and educate as many young people, young men, young ladies that would have listened to us. Uh, it's been a, a healing process for us. Yeah. Uh, we had to forgive this young man. Uh, and And so that's how we have to continue on. With this, with this journey that we've been on for this last twelve years, and we get the joy out of seeing helping save another young lady or a young man life, because uh, we found out that a lot of young people just haven't been taught, they haven't been educated. Uh, they don't know the difference between a, a healthy relationship and an unhealthy relationship. So it's so important that we teach them uh, about the red flags. The warning signs, they are there, but you have to recognize them.
1: Well, Mr. Bolton, I just met you, and i got to tell you already that I deeply respect you because I think you've done a couple things that are incredibly hard to do. Number one, you you forgave him, which doesn't mean that you accept what he did. It just means that you've forgiven him, which is huge. And then also, too, you're out there trying to make this not happen to, so some other parent isn't having to feel like you are having to fear. Tell us a little bit about Latasha because she was a pretty, pretty amazing young lady.
3: Oh yes, uh, Latasha was everything that I said she was. She was a beautiful young lady. Uh she was very intelligent. Uh she had big dreams. Uh, she loved it, her family. She loved it, everyone really. And that was really hurt us so because yeah. You know, she was a, such a gentle soul and she had you know a lot of she had a lot of drive in her. And and I had always talked to her. Tasha, don't let a man do her like that. And uh, at the end, Latasha had gotten out of that relationship. There was a lot of people failed to understand. Yeah. She had gotten out of that relationship. And this young man, he came back, and he took her life. And so we, we accepted the fact that God wanted to use her life to shine the light on teen domestic violence. We never knew that it was that prevalent among young people.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I know. And I was just thinking, she did everything right. I mean, she got out of that relationship. And how do you protect yourself in that situation if that happens?
3: Yeah, well, you know, now nowadays, you know, they have different uh they have different programs, they have different uh uh domestic violence shelters that you can go and seek help. Uh Latasha, she never told us. We had no idea that this was going on. Yeah. But when we found out was the day that she was missing, them. We, when we came to Jackson State and they opened up her, her student files, and that's when we found out that she had pressed charges against this young man mm-hmm. in Pearl, Mississippi. And that was the first inkling that we knew anything about it.
1: Oh, that that had to be heartbreaking, because you're thinking, how how could I have helped her along the way? Shanice, I tell you, I mean, that was so tough. I and mean, Like I said, that's such a heartbreak. Here she was. She got out. She was trying to get away from them. If you're counseling one of your students, what do you tell them if they're in that situation? Going, look, this guy scares me. I'm going to break up with him. What do I need to do now?
2: Um, well, we definitely go into safety plan mode. Um, we create a safety plan with the student and it's very detailed, detailed from, okay. Um, your important documents such as your ID, your birth certificate, um, where are those items? Um, in getting away, you need to make sure that you have these items in a certain area. Yeah. Uh, where do you stay if, they, if they're a commuter student? Yeah. Um, If they're a commuter student, where's your uh, local police department? Which precinct is that? Let's look that up. Right. Let's put precinct four, precinct three here on the safety plan. So if, let's say, for instance, he or she uh, comes to your place and you don't feel safe, you can drive to this particular police precinct, uh, who are people that you trust? Uh, let's put their name and their contact information on this plan so that you can know who exactly to reach out to. And we walk them through this plan so that, um, even when, you know, they're feeling anxious, they can try to use it as a reference as to what to do whenever they feel
1: unsafe. Oh gosh. Um, In Latasha's case on this, um, what are some, some of the signs, symptoms, if you're, if you're in her situation, you're in in an abusive situation, what are some of the things that you look for and say, okay, these are, these are the red flags,
0: like
1: Um, like verbal abuse and. mm
2: -hmm. Definitely if your partner is speaking to you, um, belittling you, um, saying disrespectful things to you, um. I always say anything that doesn't feel comfortable or that hurts you, whether that be something physical, something, uh, verbal, if they say certain things that has you thinking, okay, am I really worthy? Um, am I really not good enough? Those things, those things are hurtful. So anything that doesn't make you feel comfortable or that hurts you are definitely some red flags or some signs and symptoms that you are in an unhealthy relationship.
1: Um, when When Stanley Cole was arrested and charged with the murder, you, of course you have forgiven him on that day. How did you end up? What was the process on how you got from which any parent would feel like just totally angry and and just mad to forgiveness? I mean, what was that journey like?
3: Well, me and my wife we've always been christian we've always been very active in church, even latasha, we brought her up in church and and i and I realized that that I was very angry and bitter, and I wasn't a pleasant person to be around at that time. And and that was ugly. And I prayed and asked God to take that from me. Yeah. And he took that from me and channeled it another way with, through my speaking. And that was my process of healing.
1: Well, t- tell some of the groups that you talked to. I mean, because, like I said, I totally admire you for doing this. Um, so where, uh, who are some of the folks you talked to?
3: Well, when, when it first happened, I was invited to Atlanta, Georgia by a, a just returning to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, a, a team, a first team domestic violence summit. And yeah. uh, I gathered so much information and I was so compelled to to bring it back to the depth and start sharing it. And, uh, this, this, uh, shelter they have here in Greenville by the name of our house, uh, they reached out to me and I embraced them, and, uh, we, I told them I wanted to go into the schools and start just sharing this information with the young people, because so, I didn't want this to happen to another family, because right. when stuff like this happens, it don't just affect that person that it was did to, it affects everyone that's connected with that person.
1: Yeah, it's like a giant rock being thrown in the middle of a lake. Those those ripples go out, yeah. and it totally changes everything on that. Um how did you feel? I mean, it must, you must have been very, very honored and very proud when the center changed its name in 2012. What was that like?
3: Uh, well, uh, we've been very appreciative that Jackie State, they told us that they were going to start this uh, Latasha Norman Center and the annual walk that they have every year. Mm-hmm. And so we thought that was real nice to remember her. Uh, I'd like to let you know that all the funds go back into the Latasha Norman Center uh is there for the students, yeah, and uh we're proud that they use her name that her name do symbolize uh uh youth domestic violence and and you know, we like I said, we never knew he was that prevalent among young people because you know we always my wife we talk to latasha every day, my wife she worked at Michael's craft store, and my wife would talk her back to her dorm every night. So she got in her dorm, but this particular night she couldn't get her. And that was the first first sign that something was wrong. So that next morning, her boyfriend who she was dating at that time, my wife had called him that night, and uh, he said he hadn't seen her. So he went the next morning and she said her, her car was on campus, but she wasn't in her room. So I told my wife immediately, put your clothes on, let's go. Something happened because I just had that feeling. Because that was unusual for her not to be in communication
1: with us. I would think that, you know, the thing that kind of amazes me, and I guess, I mean, I have boys and that they, they talk to their mom more than they talk to me. But, um, you know, here you were talking to her every night and everything else. What advice do you give to parents and to students um, about that, on how to be able to open up that conversation so that they feel safe and they feel comfortable to talk about things like that?
3: Yeah, well, we have to talk about it. I know it's a taboo in our communities, but we have to educate our young people. And and, and you have to talk to your kids. You have to ask them questions or ask them how they're doing in their life or how they're doing in their relationship. Yeah. Uh, because I, I explained, I did a show last week in Brandon, Mississippi, and I was telling some young ladies, you say that's your boy, friend. Okay, separate those two words. He's a boy. And he's your friend. He's not your property. You are not his property. Remember that. Y'all are just friends. But in this younger generation, they take it a little deeper. Yeah. Because when a young when a young lady, for some reason, now when when a young lady uh, refuses a, a young man or try to break off a relationship with him, for some reason, he wants to take her life. Yeah. I just... And, and that is so sad. And I, and I like I try to tell young ladies, if a young man is texting you, calling you 40, 50 times a day, she may think that's love. Maybe that's not love. That's a form of stalking. Yeah. Sounds, know, if he's flapping you, if he's hitting you, if he's cursing you, calling you all type of names, those are red flags. Right. And I those mean... Are, no. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, go ahead, I, go ahead.
1: I, I was just saying that... The, that it's so important for kids to know that and so that they don't end up um before it's too late like that and and so you like i said you're out there you're talking to kids you're discovering that and and why do you think that is why does, do you think that this generation is a little bit more willing to put up with the abuse uh
3: for some reason is they don't want to be rejected they want to be accepted and then you got to look at it like this if a young lady is raised up in an environment when she see her mother being abused, yeah. she may grow up thinking that that's the way it's supposed to be, and it's not. If a young man see his his mother being abused or his sister being abused, he may grow up and think that this is the way you're supposed to treat women, and it's not. Because every man, at some point in his life, been loved, nurtured, and cherished by a woman. And it is so wrong for us as men to grow up and mistreat women.
1: So when you go when you go speak to the kids, of course you're obviously giving good advice to the to the girls in the audience, but I, you also probably look right in the eyes of the of the boys and tell them what it's like to really be a man. That a real man does not hit, abuse, or anything else to his girlfriend.
3: That's right, correct. Because if you check it out, no man, want another man abusing his mother, his sister nor his daughter. So it's not right for you to do that to no one else's daughter. It is not right. And so we have to teach our young people. Some of them just don't know. Just like I said, they were raised up in an environment yeah. where they've seen this happen and they think that this is the way it should be. But, like, if a young man is under 25 and he's doing these type of things, I can kind of understand he ain't been taught. But if you're 25 and over and you're doing these things to a lady, shame on you, because you ought to know better. You ought to have been been taught better by this time.
1: One last question for the before we go to the break. Um, do you have any advice you'd like to give families? Because I know there's a lot of parents listening right now about talking to your children about domestic abuse.
3: Yeah, you, it's a conversation that we have to start. You have to you have to find a way to start this conversation with the young people. Uh, like some I remember when I first started doing this, uh one of the one of the teachers told me, she said, Well Mr. Bo, those kids are not listening to you. What well, she didn't understand was well, I was just playing C's. And like I told her, if I don't touch for one, it worth the trip. If I can just save one family from this tragedy, let me explain something to you. Uh it didn't just affect me and my wife. We had a son that we had put through college oh, yeah. and had a degree. He had a degree in accounting, and he had a he had a breakdown behind her death. Yeah. So it was almost like we had lost two kids. But thank God that you know he restored him. But he had a problem dealing with that, and, and it affects everybody that's connected to that individual. And I and and I plead with the with the parents, talk to your young ladies, talk to your young men. Please do that, because. In today's society, we have all this technology out here. If you do these things, you're going to get caught. Somebody's going to catch you. You're going to get caught. You're not going to get away.
1: Mr. Bolton, thank you so much. That's fantastic advice. Uh, we're going to be taking our last break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the Latasha Norman Celebration of Life 5K Walk and Run. Phone lines are still open. If you have any comments or questions, I tell you what, um, good time to call if you do have any questions about how to get past domestic violence it's 877 mpb ring that's 877-672-7464 stay tuned this is now you're talking on mpb think radio
0: this is an mpb think radio podcast
1: All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey. Uh, today, we've had a great conversation with Shanice White. She's a lead therapist for the Latasha Norman Center and Mr. Danny Bolden, of course, is Latasha's dad. And so, some incredibly strong advice. Shanice, I, I was just going to ask you uh, here, you know, you've got a man that absolutely suffered, like I said before, the worst thing a parent could ever fathom happening to them. And yet, here he is, he can forgive. The, and of course, he talked about his faith, which is an incredibly important part of it. But why is it important for us to learn to forgive?
2: It is important to learn to forgive because if you don't, then you are giving that person who took something away from you power and control yeah. over you mentally, socially, in every aspect of your life that you can think of. Um, you just have to learn mm. to forgive. Um, it'll be a burden on you. Um, you will remain stagnant, not being able to move forward in life, if if you don't forgive.
1: Let's um, let's just go ahead and change gears because the race is coming up, and it's incredibly important. Uh, like Mister Bolden said, all the the money goes back to helping the center. Yes, 12 annual. That's like that's gone by very quickly because I remember when the first one was. So we got the upcoming 12th annual Natasha Norman Celebration of Life 5K. Tell us how it first began.
2: Um. Uh, well, it began, of course, um, in honor of Latasha, and um, we know that there are other women and men who who suffer from domestic violence. And so, we felt the as though it was important to put this race on, hold it every year. And again, the proceeds do go back to uh, the Latasha Norman Center, the programming that we do surrounding domestic violence.
1: Mr. Bolden, are you going to be there at the race?
3: Oh, of course. <laughs> and I invite the whole Jackson and the surrounding area to come and uh, come on out and support this event. Just like Miss White said, it's just not for Latasha; it's for all domestic violence victims and survivors. And uh, we'll be there with bells on. Uh, we're so honored that that they continue to have it. And and like I tell uh, everybody, some people will say, "Well, Mr. Bolton, I would have came." but i didn't know about it well like i tell them, it's an
1: annual event if you don't make it this year you can come next year very mm-hmm. good you know there's a, a there's a lot of great activities around it i want you to tell me a little bit real quick but one thing i found i did a melanoma run for 10 years and it was like a great therapy session cuz everybody came and they met other people that were in the same situation they were they got to, to meet each other they got to hug they got to make friendships that's really kind of a kind of a hidden beautiful thing about this isn't it
2: it is it is yeah, um yeah. We'll have different vendors, um, different agencies from the Jackson Metro area who provide different services for domestic violence victims and survivors. Uh, we will have um, a representative from the Mississippi Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Mississippi Coalition Against Sexual Assault will be present. Uh, Catholic Charities and other um, agencies that will be there.
1: So people can say, hey, look, there's somebody over there that can help me. Yes. That's kind of nice. Okay, so date, time, um, And how to be able to sign up.
2: Uh, The Run Walk this year is on Saturday, November the 9th, 2019, on the main campus of Jackson State University. On-site registration and check-in will begin at 7 a.m. That's Uh, early. It is early. It is early. Um, But we do have a lot of people that come out um, and they support it. Um, The race will begin promptly at 8 and there will be uh, medals and trophies for prizes for um, the top winners in
1: each category. Yeah, L.C. Grant won last year. Yes. 61 years old out there and still getting it yes, done. Yes, and yeah. he
2: he participates every year. Um, he actually called the other day wanting to, to register. Uh, registration is available if you come onto the campus to our office. We can get you registered there. Uh, but we also have registration on Marketplace if you go to www.jsums.edu forward slash marketplace. Click on Latasha's picture and you are able to register online.
1: Oh, very cool. How many folks are you expecting?
2: Uh, Hopefully over 100 this year. Uh, Last year it was slightly over 100, but we're looking for at least 150 this year.
1: Actual participants. Danny, you got any last words as, as we're getting ready to close up the show?
3: Thank you so much for uh, giving us this airtime time uh, to help, uh, you know, let everyone know that uh, uh, the walk is coming up and that it will be on Jackson State campus. Uh, which i like to say i like to tell each one to bring someone and uh, make it big as possible uh, because it is for the community and it is for a great cause.
1: No doubt, no doubt. I'm so glad that you get to come, too, because I I know that's healing for you as well.
3: Yes, I used to walk, but I can't walk now. I had uh, surgery about five years ago, and uh, I was in a wheelchair. And uh, that's why it's so important to forgive. I was in a wheelchair, and I couldn't walk. And the doctor said I was sick enough to die, but I'm still here. He restored me. I can't walk, but I do be there. <laughs>
1: well, I, I can tell you just from meeting you now, uh, just talking to you today, that you're definitely here for a reason and you're making a big difference. Thank you so much for sharing your heart like that and sharing, you know, and helping other people like you're doing.
3: Yes, yes, that's uh, my goal. Uh, uh, I, I, You know, everybody have to find their purpose in life. And when I went through all this, I found out this is my purpose in life, this is what God wants me to do.
1: Well, amen. So thank you so much. Shanice, you got any final words in the last few seconds?
2: Um, definitely want to encourage people to come out and um, support the race. If you're not able to come, uh, just feel free to, you know, give a donation. Um, it goes to, like I said, the programming that we do to ensure that we are uh, preventing uh, domestic violence.
1: Out there spreading the word. Yes, Thank you so much. It's good to see you. Hopefully, we'll get you back again next year. Of
2: course. Of Always course. good. So, yes. and
1: good luck raising your daughter. Because I know that's full time. Oh, yes. Gosh, I, I, having boys, I know nothing in what it's like having a girl. Well, so. I
2: have a son, too. You have a son, okay. Yes. How I old have is a, he? Four.
1: Okay. Yes. Oh, boy, you're busy. Oh, yes. You're very busy. Thank yes. you so much. Thank All right. Thank you. We want to thank you for sharing your time with us today and thank our guest, Shanice White, with the Latasha Norman Center at Jackson State University and, of course, Danny Bolden, the father of Latasha Norman, for sharing his very powerful story with us today. If you'd like to hear the show again or any past episodes, visit mpbonline.org slash now talking and listen to our podcast. Now, if you're talking is a production of Mississippi Public Think Radio, MPB Think Radio is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy, healthy and fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell and join us next week for Now You're Talking only on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week.